about it. Talk about what? Your possible second career. My second career? <laughs> now, don't pretend you do not know <laughs> what I'm talking about because I like to be true to our podcast, which is off-air conversations on air. Yes. <laughs> and this was a conversation we had. Now, these are long days at tournaments. <laughs> And when we have a little break at a, a change of ends, we talk about bits and pieces. And sometimes if a match isn't amazing, we might wander off. And for some reason, it was sparked off. I heard Bon Jovi living on a prayer being blasted out at a change of ends. And I think I said something very innocent like, that'll make a really good karaoke song because you could really belt oh, it out. Oh, <laughs> okay. I know where we're going now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you know where we're headed? So, so you say to me, oh, do you like karaoke? And I've, I've never, I've never done karaoke. I don't, I, I just, I'd be too embarrassed to stand up and sing. And if I'm honest, I kind of thought the same about you. <laughs> what I didn't realise is not only have you done karaoke, but it was, it was nearly a kind of second career, right? Is that is that? Well, no, <laughs> not really. Um, no, but I, I've probably done karaoke a couple of times. But what I was saying is that I I, I normally I don't normally sing. <laughs> I normally pick a rap song. Could you just inform the listener of your possible top two favourite karaoke rap song? Well, I've, I mean, of course you have Eminem, Lose Yourself. That's always the first one. Of course you do. Absolutely. That's the first one to come out. And if nobody's jumping up, I'll jump up and do that. <laughs> and then there's a Canadian band called Bare Naked Ladies. And they have a song called One Week. And it goes really fast. It's the one that says Chickity China, the Chinese chicken, that one. But I know all the words. I would know all the words to it. It's a bit, look, I have no party tricks whatsoever, apart from being able to rap Bare Naked Ladies one week from start to finish with no words because I know it all. I thought you were about to say you have no shame. Oh. <laughs> now this is fine because because karaoke's great and, and rapping's fine and I thought okay that's where the conversation is going to end and then you chose. So we go into a break at the change of ends and then our producer in our ear will give us like a 10 second count coming back on air and we're normally chatting which is effectively where this podcast came from. So we're all getting set to <laughs> we're all getting set to go to go back on <laughs> and you just slipped in with about five seconds to go <laughs> you actually wrote produced and and rapped professionally like a couple of songs <laughs> oh come on now that is that is nonsense professionally no but I did I I think I said to you oh I had a bit of a rap career just as a joke <laughs> and then we heard in our ears three two one we were back on air and you were just in hysterics so we had a bit of a giggly segment but no, I didn't I wasn't a professional rapper I was only joking but I did I I did I wrote a rap it's a thing. <laughs> it actually got worse. So I'm dealing with this while focusing on the match. So we get to the next break. So we have the next break and we're talking. And then you decide again with about five seconds to go, did you know I had a rap name? <laughs> At which point... Which, which point, I think could commentate for a bit. I, I managed to get to the next break. Our producer's looking at us thinking we've gone absolutely, we're mad. And um, <laughs> would, you, would you like to share with the listener what, uh, so Naomi Cavaday, a.k.a. <laughs> Baggy Pockets. 
That was my rap name. <laughs> Look, I'm not I'm not in any way saying that I am at Shapovalov levels of rap loving. I I'm not particularly a, a fan of rap. I don't, I don't really listen to it very much. <laughs> I mean it's there a little bit. And it was <laughs> And he goes into a studio and everything. I've never done anything like that. But it's a very long-winded story, but it ended up that I wrote a rap a few years ago. Um and it was about <laughs> life at the National Tennis Centre at the NTC with, um, with me and my friends, my tennis friends. It was it. I wrote it for them. <laughs> with, I'm very proud with, of it. So you, you say what you want. It was just the fact that as we go back on air, you announced to me that you were called DJ Baggy Pockets. <laughs> not dj then, i'm not dj anything <laughs> i'm just baggy pockets <laughs> so, so you're baggy pockets <laughs> i'm commentating and i can't look at you so <laughs> normally if people imagine a commentary booth you you look at you look at your analyst and you're sort of asking the questions and sort of looking and sort of bouncing off each other. I couldn't look at you. I had tears streaming down my face. Oh, I was crying as well. I was trying to <laughs> I was trying to commentate and I was trying so hard not to look look at you. Our producer's still completely in the dark as to what's going on. <laughs> he could just see us crying. <laughs> I actually we, we, we he can he can see us. There's there's one angle where we've we've got the court then and he can see us. I had to sort of bend down so he couldn't see me, so I am crouching. Trying to commentate <laughs> and not look at Baggy Pockets who's sitting to my left. It was, I think, and once once we got through that, it was later after the match in front of a couple of other members of the team. You did play us, you did play us the rap with, and I have to say, it was, it was, it was. It was very good. Thanks. <laughs> it just didn't sound like you. It, it just so every now and then you sort of say, "What was it? Pow wow or pow pow or <laughs> pow pow." <laughs> pow pow. Sorry, I, I, I only to, said that once. I need to have that silent pow pow, and then we saw those like brother. And I was yeah. just like, what? I mean, oh, it was brilliant. It was absolute. I can't be a well-spoken rapper. That's not a thing. <laughs> and can it, Baggy Pockets, is that based in anything? Because normally <laughs> not really. people have like a name, something to do with them or what they do. I mean, does that, did you call yourself that? I did, yeah. Then I came up with the name Baggy Pockets. <laughs> no real reason as to why it was Baggy Pockets. I, do you know, I, I this is a long time ago. I, I genuinely <laughs> cannot remember why I was called Baggy Pockets. I really, I really can't. I, I do have a long story as to why I ended up writing the rap that I did, but it was more an entertainment piece for, for me and my friends. It wasn't really for the commercial market. <laughs> and in years to come for me, would there be anything that our listeners could do to either get you to play a snippet or to do a little rap. Is there is there oh. anything is there anything that could, that could be done to bring baggy pockets <laughs> to life? Uh, um, I'm not sure. It's going to have to be pretty good. Maybe the, the listeners will have to come up with something. 
how they can convince me. <laughs> all, all I can tell anybody listening, it would be <laughs> it would be worth. I found myself since Naomi revealed this, telling absolute strangers and people I bump into about baggy pockets <laughs> and spread the word. They they don't know Naomi and they've. They've all laughed. I mean, it's, and each time we didn't actually then commentate together for a while. Nothing to do with baggy pockets. It's just how the rotor. <laughs> it's just how the rotor works. So um, I know we're 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 back together at the at the latter half of of, of the week. So I'm, it might rear itself. Would you um, would you like to talk about some tennis now, baggy? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Please, I'd love to. But look, at least you said it was a good rap. And look, it made people laugh. That was the point of it, is that everybody was a bit down and I thought I would do something to cheer everybody up. I, As I say, I'm still proud of it to this, this day. I'm not necessarily <laughs> proud of it so much that I'd play it out to everyone. But after our conversation, I felt that you deserved to hear a little bit of it. <laughs> but it was just so funny when we were on air. I mean, because you know when you just get, you, you just start laughing and you just can't do anything about it. And we could couldn't really well actually you did tell some of the listeners you did tell the listeners uh you, you did say that Naomi's just told me that she had a rap career <laughs> but we left out baggy pockets which was fair enough uh, I, there's no way I would have been able to formulate those two words and continue on air at this point I just uh the, the no the rap was good but the rap was long every time you said it was really long you said it's the last verse and then there was another verse <laughs> and then there was another verse and oh yeah. baggy pockets was in full flow but it was did I say good oh it was no it was it was it yeah it was it was, it was, it was <laughs> go on pick a word pick a word Gigi any word <laughs> It was um, it was well thought out, and <laughs> no, it was. And I wrote it in like an hour, and it was uh, it was it was very entertaining, and it was uh, yes, it, it was it was it was good. Um, yes, right. Well, that's well. I, I'm going to make you listen to it again <laughs> until you like. I don't it. want to listen to it again. Please don't make me listen to it again. Oh my word. Uh, okay, so sorry. Yes, no tennis. What? What? Where? Where would you like to start with the tennis? <laughs> tennis, right? Okay. Yes. What I would like to talk about a little bit is um, the variation in tennis that we're seeing a bit more and come in now with Nick Kyrgios doing well with the most scandalous. Tweener, I mean, what was that? It was extraordinary. I mean, in his match against Chorich, it was an amazing tweener because it wasn't, it wasn't the normal hot dog. Because you know, the normal hot dog gets floated up by the opponent, goes over your head, deep in the middle of the court, and you're you're right back deep. This was like an angle hot dog. He was out at the side of the court. He was up quite close to it. It was just bizarre. I don't know how he even thought of trying to play it on that shot. But I mean, what was that? I mean, what, 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 what was that? <laughs> he was, it was, it was a breakdown <laughs> in the first set. It was a match that had a little bit of everything. In terms of, I don't even know if you, you remember good tweeners, but where would that be on, on, on your list of, of tweeners that you've seen? Oh, right up there. I, I, I genuinely, there's, there's going to be one from Fed that, that might be a little bit better, but I'd have to scour through to try and find it but right up there I've never I've never seen one like that never ever it was extraordinary to be that far up the court at the side of the court playing an angle 
was yeah phenomenal uh, i mean absolutely phenomenal and i mean the variety we've seen from him through the tournament has been excellent he didn't go on to beat chorich because chorich is just too solid from the back of the court and uh but kyrgios played some remarkable stuff through the tournament and then also on the women's side you've got shay doing very well uh in miami she's got phenomenal hand skills plays the game just totally backwards totally differently nothing makes any sense before we shay can i just curious for just a second and you might not have anything to add to this and we're not going to go into the whole is he good for the game or not we we're both in agreement he's good for the game he's very talented he's very skillful you get a little bit everything sometimes it just goes too much one way but underarm serving good for the game bad for the games just where are you on that or are you nowhere on that oh yeah no it's, it's mad that people don't do it more it, it's such an obvious thing if you can drop shot in the middle of a rally why can't you drop shot off the serve i don't really understand you can do all different sorts of things the point of the game is to to try and come up with a way to beat your opponent and as long as you know you're not doing anything that's against the rules or unfair of course hit an underarm serve i think that because didn't people have underarm serves at the beginning of tennis in the 19th century or whenever it started? I don't know. Uh, did, but didn't everybody have an underarm serve? And then somebody figured out that the overarm serve was a lot more effective. So you had one guy hitting an overarm serve, everybody hitting underarm serves. And everybody probably said the same thing about him, probably saying, that's not fair. You can't do that. And his response was probably, well, you could do it too. And then everyone started doing it. So I think that people will will copy this uh, a little bit. I mean, Kyrgios does it. Nicolescu does it on the women's side. We saw that from her here in Miami as well. Doesn't get anywhere near as much attention as Kyrgios does, of course, because she's not Kyrgios. We saw Martina Hingis did it back in the day, didn't she? In the final, the final of a slam. Might have been French Open. I might be making that up. But she got booed for it. Nicolescu got booed for it in Miami. Nick Kyrgios didn't get booed for it. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. It seems completely obvious. I think more and more people will do it. And um, I don't really know why you would complain about it. I think the, the one thing I'll take away from possibly Kyrgios this week is, yes, you get everything on court from a, a broken racket. And uh, when he got the violation, he said to the um, he said to the chair umpire, I was just folding it to give it to the guy in the crowd <laughs> which I thought I thought was quite a good answer um, but no we, we shouldn't be we, we shouldn't be glamorising a broken racket and then a guy was giving it to people and they were having selfies taken with it but it's it's the, the show that comes in it curious but I thought maybe what was more interesting was what he was saying in press and he was saying you know maybe I need to focus more on those big points and it, it was interesting listening to him it wasn't sort of I don't want to do this I'm not interested and I'm going to do basketball and blah 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 yes he was addressing bits and pieces with the crowd because there's lots of things being yelled out but in terms of his tennis he was actually looking at he was breaking down the match and he was saying on these points I've just got to focus more I've got to lock in more I've got to do this this and this and I thought they, they were real positives there'll always be the kind of circus that goes round with Kyrgios and people will always be clamouring to see his matches and it, it, they can sometimes be quite difficult as a commentator to commentate on his matches but at the same time you expect the unexpected and and that is Nick Kyrgios and when it comes to difficulty commentating Shay Shay Suwe he mentioned sometimes you're commentating you're thinking 
is it is that a shot what is that what's she done and sometimes <laughs> I find when I'm doing her matches I literally look at the person next to me and I just point to them because I'm like I'm not actually sure is that even how do you do that I mean it, it's what would it be like to face someone like Shay Su Wei with that bag of tricks oh it's just horrendous my absolute worst nightmare <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it I'd run away It'd be awful. I'd try and overpower her. Probably wouldn't be able to. But, but I find the same when I've commentated on her. We've not done a match of hers together. But when I commentate her, I end up saying, because I, I, I'm in the analyst position. So you have got to try and describe the shot and I've got to try and explain it. And I, I tend to get to the point where I go, well, I know my job is to try and explain what's going on here, but I've got no idea. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> it's just a, such a bonkers shot. My ball by ball ends up being what was that? Or oh, wow. And then looking to my equivalent of you next to me, and they're like, brilliant. Thank you. You've given me absolutely no help. Because <laughs> sometimes you're thinking, it's just, it's just perplexing. I mean, she's such a slight thing, but it's absolutely. Mm. And in the early stages, we were looking at her on the doubles court and great doubles partner, a little jack in a box at the net. She'd jump up and all the bits and pieces she would do. But the fact that she's transferred that onto the singles court, her boyfriend is traveling with her and also coaching with her. She's got other consultants, but she is, I mean, it's, yeah, just tricky to commentate on. But what is your game plan then? If you were coaching someone who is going to face her, what's, what's your game plan against Shay? Apart from running away. It's to, yeah, number one is run away. Uh, number two is to not get frustrated. That is just the, the, the most important thing. You, you have to go with it and you expect it you, and it's going to come out on big moments. It's ridiculous. Number three would be, if you can, overpower her. We have seen players overpower her and just kind of hit her off the court. But on the slower surfaces, she's got more time so she can wrap her racket around the ball and, and dig into her box of tricks and come up with just ridiculous shots, crazy shots. You'd also say you have to chase down the first few drop shots. The first three drop shots, you have to get a racket on them. Be so ready at the beginning of the match just to put in her mind that she can't go to it easily. Because if she could just easily flick in a drop shot and you don't run for it, then she'll just always know and she'll just put it out on the big moments and it'll catch you out. So you want to try and put in her mind that you're ready for her game. And then just try and deal with it. I mean, really, you've got to play up the court so you can't, drop back so if you're a player like a Svitolina and you like to be three meters behind the baseline you just can't do that because she can hit a drop shot off anything from any position so you have to play up the court but if you're a player who likes to play up the court then that's okay she's gonna just chop up your rhythm it's just so discombobulating it's so bizarre because so much of tennis has to happen automatically because it's such a reactive sport and the reaction time is so small so you have to anticipate so I hit a shot I'll hit my forehand cross court I'll see where it lands and I'll look at their position I look at my position on the court you take on board all of that information and I've got a fairly good idea that 80% of the time they're going to come back cross court because going down the line is a big risk but they might go down the line so you have to what's the saying prepare for the worst expect the best or other way around <laughs> I think it's the other <laughs> way around uh, I should really stop guessing <laughs> just guess at things all the, is that what it is yeah no so <laughs> if I've hit my forehand cross court and it's a good quality shot and I've achieved what I want to achieve which is to keep them pinned back 
then I'm thinking they're probably going to go cross court here. The, the next most likely shot is down the middle. The least likely is down the line and the most risky is down the line. So then you obviously have to be aware of who you're playing. So if you're playing somebody who likes to go down the line, then you need to change things a bit. But if you're, you know, most people will go cross court off of a certain shot because you everybody just has to play to the percentages. So you kind of lean in the right way and you're anticipating. You, you, you kind of run through the options. You've got your three options. These are the three things that she might do and this is the most likely one. But then Shay comes up with stuff that you've never even thought of. You've never even heard of. <laughs> you've never seen it done before. So to anticipate anything is just impossible. So it, it puts you in a position where you are just reacting all the time and you're just having to react and react and react which is exhausting and frustrating because you can't get ahead and in tennis you like to be one step ahead and everybody says oh Murray's the best right at being three steps ahead he plays it like a game of chess and he always has done and he forces you to do things and you know he wants you to do something but you can't do anything else because doing something else would be madness well, Shay chooses the madness. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> I'm going that way. <laughs> it's it's amazing to watch. I absolutely love it. Um, it it's phenomenal. It's great fun to, to commentate on. It is, oh, it'd be my worst nightmare to play against. How much of what she does is taught and how much is just instinctive? Or is there no way to teach the Shay Sue way way? If, if, if that makes sense. It's actually, I for me, I think that it's a, a bit in the middle of those two things. I don't think you can teach it, but I also don't think it's completely instinctive. And I think this is the same with Nick Kyrgios. It's not just having the audacity to play these shots in the points, in the situations, match point down, break point down, whatever it might be. It's actually having the audacity to spend 50% of your training time on court practicing these shots and that's the thing is that Nick practices tweeners and hot dogs and drop shots and the saber. And he spends a lot of time doing it, which is why he can reproduce it in a, a in a match. Borna Chorich never, ever does it. So he can't just do it in a match. Federer has always practiced those trick shots. He spends loads of time, time doing it. And so does Shea. So it, it's having the level of confidence in the rest of your game that you can spend so much time not addressing that and what most people in the world of tennis would see as messing about. Can I add another honourable mention to Shay? Because what fascinates me, having never played this sport to any kind of level that you guys have been at and, and I never will. I think my time might pass now. Roberto Bautista Agut, for me against Novak Djokovic, his victory. I know he's already beaten him this year in the semi-finals at Doha. He is a tricky customer. A lot of people remember his match with Murray, the Australian Open at the start of the year. He, he's, he's solid. He's consistent. He's difficult to get past. But the situation was on the stadium court, so the stadium within a stadium, in Miami. He's playing the six-time champion Novak Djokovic, the world number one. He's had a little bit of illness, uh, Roberto Bautista Agut, since he beat Djokovic in Doha, but he's had some, he, I think he went 9-0 and at the start of the year, and then it just slipped a little bit with illness and a, and a touch of injury. He was, after 25 minutes, love five down, 
and set point down to Novak Djokovic. He would lose that set 6-1 in 33 minutes. He would go on to win that match over two hours later. Now, there was a tiny little rain delay, but mentally, and this is when we talk about tennis being a solitary sport, there is there is no coaching allowed. Yes, they had that tiny little delay, but how strong mentally Roberto Bautista must have been? Because how small must you feel? Thousands of people there. You are being wiped off the court in the first set to be able to stay strong enough and to be able to tell yourself, I am good enough to do this and do what he did. Phenomenal. To be honest, I wouldn't know. I've never done it. So <laughs> but what I have done is I've I've been the other person in the situation. I've been six love, three love in about half an hour and lost. <laughs> I've done that plenty of times. So, so, okay, so how much of that is you and how much of that is them, the, the turnaround? So it's a combination. Uh, it's, it's a combination of, of different things. And, and this is something that big hitters need to be aware of, particularly juniors who are big hitters. They, they, they want to be powerful players and dictate very very often you take to the court and you overwhelm your opponent quite quickly and they just can't they can't adjust to it they can't get the feel of it you win the first set six love sometimes they might get a game or whatever but really it's just been very very one-sided but particularly at the lower levels if you're in juniors or in the challenges you don't get ball change so the balls rough up and through the course of a match I mean you're talking about 30 percent difference of speed off the bounce from a ball at the end of the match to the beginning of the match so once you get about half an hour in the balls start roughing up now of course Bautista Agut and Djokovic you know have the luxury of getting new balls every so often so they're just playing with new balls the whole time so this doesn't isn't relevant for them but on top of the balls roughing up so your opponent has a fraction more time they're also getting used to it they've spent half an hour receiving this pace of shot which they haven't received for, I don't know, probably a couple of months or something because they haven't played anyone who's hit the ball as hard as you for a while. So they start getting a bit used to it. They start soaking it up. They've lost the first set six love. They've, they, must, they have to change something because otherwise they'll lose the second set six love. And a lot of the time, actually, when you win a set six love or six one, it's more dangerous than it is to win it six four. Because if you win a set six four, your opponent's probably sitting down thinking, yeah, no, I mean, it was a pretty tight set. I just played badly in one game to give up the break. Whereas if you win a set six love, they're thinking, I've got to change something. So normally players will come out and they'll either start swinging themselves and they'll start saying, well, I need to get on top of the point in the first shot. So I'm just going to go for broke. And sometimes it starts working and you think, okay, right. They're just teeing off here and I can't do anything about it. Or... The other way they normally go is, right, I'm just not going to miss. I'm not going to miss at all. I'm just going to hit everything in the middle of the court with good depth. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to go for anything. And let's see if she can maintain this. And often, particularly if you're running on a bit of adrenaline, you can't maintain it. So you have they're the normal things that happen. And then sometimes you might get somebody who says, ah, whatever, I'm just going to serve volley. I've lost a set six love. Let's give it a crack. That doesn't tend to work very well. <laughs> Unless you're a really good serve volleyer, and in which case you should have been serve volleying from the beginning. <laughs> because that's probably going to work. So it, this happened to me, actually, when I played against Angelique Kerber in Wimbledon qualifying. I went nine love up, six love, three love up. Wow. And I ended up winning tightly in three sets. But it was the situation where we're on a grass court. I was completely overwhelming. I came off, I mean, I was just barely missing. And it's a combination of, can you really sustain it? Can you do it in, in the big moments? 
she got far more consistent and got used to the pace. So she just was missing a lot less. Suddenly you've got a very different match on your hands. I love the fact that baggy pockets can just drop in that she beat Angelique Kerber in Wimbledon, fi- <laughs> in Wimbledon qualifying. Sorry, that is, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I should add that Novak Djokovic afterwards did say that there's few things going on maybe off court. It didn't feel 100% right, but yeah, that was my honourable mention. Can I divert from tennis for a second? Have you ever recycled, this is to make me feel better, well, hopefully, have you ever recycled a gift, like a Christmas present or a birthday present? It wouldn't be a very baggy pockets thing to do now, would it? Well, I, I, no, I think baggy pockets would. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure you would. But have you ever... Have you? Yes, I have. I, I have done that. I have recycled a gift and I, I understand it can be it can be difficult. But uh, I, I have some gifts that I'm I that I are at home that I got at Christmas that are, are just waiting to, to be recycled. I'm in this weird situation where I've recycled a couple and I might get them back <laughs> which which is which is really weird because there's a little thing going on at at the twins preschool and it's ahead of mother's day so there was a little leaflet that went out saying could you donate um, a gift per child so i got to give two you know something chocolates or a present or something something left over so they did want you know they did say leftover stuff to then bring it in and then each child will have two pounds and they'll go into this room and they'll pick a present for their mum so I get a couple of presents. This is the joy of twins <laughs> right there. And they'll wrap them up and they'll, they'll give them to you. So I, I've recycled this box of chocolates that <laughs> which I really didn't fancy and I got for Christmas. And I think they're good until, <laughs> I think they're good until the middle of next month. So I didn't, so I, 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 felt, I felt a little bit bad, but I thought, no, they're still okay. They're still okay for a few weeks. But my worry is, that the boys have seen this box of chocolates because they were on the side. Then they're not opened or anything. I don't. I haven't. I haven't been nibbling at them, and now I'm handing them in. But my my worry is that when the, when the boys head into this room, you know, the little they might just recognise this box of chocolates. And on Sunday, when I unwrap my lovely gifts, they might have come back. I mean, that's karma, isn't it? I I, I have this. <laughs> the the other gift was. It was something, it was, a, it was a candle, it was a really nice candle given to me a long time ago. But the reason I knew it was time to go is because I brought it from our last house. So if I brought it from the last house a few years ago and I still haven't used it, I'm never going to use it. Yeah. So that was, and I don't remember who gave it to me, so there's no guilt there. But these chocolates are, I was about to say they're, they're quite fresh. They're not. <laughs> well, they're fresh until next month. But in terms of, I only got them at Christmas. So I'm, <laughs> and today is the day when the boys will be selecting the gifts. And uh, I will update you next week. And sorry to break away from tennis, but I've had this awful guilt that I've recycled this present that might be heading back to me. No, that's fine. Well, (laughs) what I was going to do is I'll offer you a solution of that. I'll take the chocolates off your hands. If if they do come back to you, I would gladly have them. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. If if they do come back, then next time we get next Next pod, I'll give you the chocolates. But remember, you've got to eat them quickly because they're only good for a couple more weeks. That's okay. I eat them straight away for the, for the next pod. That'll be fine. That's the key in this. Thank you for making me feel not quite so bad about that. But it is difficult though because when you re-gift stuff, you just have that little niggle in the back of your mind. Did I get this from this person? And I know within my family, it's happened lots of times. Regifting, everybody regifts, but 
people just re-gift back to the same person and yeah it's it's definitely happened i definitely know i'm not re-gifting to the same person and this person doesn't have children in the same preschool i'm just thinking that this i might be re-gifting it to myself (laughs) now i want to move from from gifts to sweating right because (laughs) i believe that's something you would like to talk about well i just my question is to francis tfo francis how do you do it i mean how do you hold on to the racket because i was quite sweaty i was not tfo levels but i was quite sweaty and i just could the, the sweat would run down my arms and all the sweat bands in the world are not gonna solve it in any way and i know he towels down but then the towels are soaking wet and it's just so difficult and you'd wipe it on your clothes but then your clothes are soaking wet and some people use chalk. I, I want to know, Francis, how he is able to hold the racket because he swings really fast as well. And my grip would s- slip round. So I would start the point with kind of my normal grip. And by the end of the point, if I hit three, four hands in a row and I'm feeling quite sweaty, my grip is so far round. <laughs> I, I might as well turn the racket over. I'm desperately trying to cling on and it just it just shoves round every single time. Like I can't I can't help it. And I'm I'm fascinated because it is extraordinary. <laughs> but it's quite similar to Nadal. Nadal is also someone that when you see when he bends down to serve, it's like a, a tap has been switched on on his head and it is just cascading down. And we see players, Nadal and Del Potro, who wear the tape under their sweatbands and people say, oh, do they do they have a wrist problem? It's not a wrist problem. It's to soak up the sweat so it doesn't, it doesn't dribble down. But I imagine if you're someone who sweats a lot... And you've always sweated a lot, then you just know how to deal with a lot of sweat. Yeah, probably. I guess so. But I mean, I remember doing the sweat test to see how much fluid I would lose when I was in Florida for uh, this time I was in Florida for August. So it was super duper humid. I know it's humid this week, but in August, it's the worst it could possibly be. And I lost, I think it was a kilo and a half per hour of fluid. Wow. When I was training. So that showed me that that was the absolute worst I could be and that I needed to account for that. So I need, I was somebody who needed to walk on court a little overhydrated and then I could take on, because you can't take on board certainly. I mean, you can drink kilos of, of water if you want through the match, but you're just going to need to go to the loo all the time. You're just going to, it's, it's not going to absorb properly, is it? So you need to start off a little overhydrated, but TFO must be sweating more than that. It must be over a couple of kilos per hour. And if you think he's out there for a, two or three hours, it's a lot. Did you mind a sweaty handshake at the end? No, we're all sweaty. It's fine. I feel bad for the umpires though, because <laughs> they, they've been sat up in their chair, nice and neat. They always look very sharp and, and tidy. Uh, but yeah, a sweaty hug, sweaty handshake's fine when you're both sweaty. I guess by that point, it doesn't really matter, does it? And they've got the three different towels in Miami. They've got tournament towels, which are orange due to the sponsor. They've got the white towels, look quite fluffy, might be in a hotel. And interestingly, they have grey bath sheets mm. to the point where I think it's probably what TFO comes in at around, what, maybe six foot two? It's it's probably as tall. It's a proper 
proper bath sheet. Yeah, it is. Um, have we, we haven't worked out where they've come from, have we? Because uh, they look like they've been nicked from a t- from a hotel, but <laughs> a couple of players have them. Yeah, initially, um, I, the first player I saw was Feliciano Lopez. I thought he had literally brought them from his hotel, and a lot of them stay in a player hotel, others in apartments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then I started to see them, and I and I just think in 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 Miami, the first time we've been at the, the Hard Rock Stadium, they give them three choices. of. T- I mean, for some players, those grey bath sheets would just be too big. It would overwhelm them. You can imagine the players I'm thinking of here. It would cover yeah. them. They could wrap themselves up in these bath sheets. I mean, these are heavy. So do you think it would be enough, it would be big enough as a shower towel for an Opelka? Or an, I think it? it would be a comfortable size towel for Opelka. It would be, be big enough. I think it wouldn't cover Opelka okay because right, we're talking nearly seven foot and that's that's going to be difficult but I think he would see that towel and think it, it's he's not going to if he picked up the tournament towel it's almost like a hand towel it's like a flannel for Opelka but I think if he had the but it's like his ra- his racket looks like a toy it's incredible isn't it it's it's <laughs> it's absolutely it's absolutely incredible but I think I think the the, the grey bath sheet I think that would be I think that would be acceptable yeah, I think so. I think that, I mean, they are huge. Way too big for me. I have to say, I was thinking we started this podcast and I know we've both got to get going soon because we're both, we're both on duty later in Miami. But I started saying that we needed to talk about your rapping um, because the whole point of our podcast, the whole point of Tennis is it's our off-air conversations on it. <laughs> and it led me to think, <laughs> to, to some of the conversations we've had uh, with, with the group and you get rain delays in Miami so we gather together <laughs> and we chat <laughs> I know where you're going now <laughs> <laughs> and, and and we have long days and not to say anybody's delirious but sometimes a little bit of madness sets in but some of the conversations that we've had over the last <laughs> Started by you. <laughs> I don't think they were started. Were they started by me? I don't think they were started by me. <laughs> Look at you acting all innocent. Yeah. I, I think what we've learned is I'm very innocent in these conversations. But I, I think some of the conversations we've I'm not even sure could make it to the podcast, is what I was thinking. No, it got, it got um, yeah, a, a little adult themed, didn't it? You brought it up. Hang on, this is sounding so wrong. <laughs> we have... <laughs> They're having adult-themed conversations. <laughs> it was, it, but before people start wondering what on earth goes on with these people at tournaments, it was more things that you say, statements that you say that could mean something else. And in my world, they mean what I say, but in largely your world and everyone else, they mean something else. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's very, very confusing. No, I mean, basically, just innuendos, really, isn't it? That that do tend to come out in commentary. I'm sure some listeners have a little chuckle to themselves here and there. And then plenty of others are oblivious, like you. <laughs> you're, no, you're actually quite, you're quite switched on to the innuendos, I think, in general. But uh, no, we were all having a bit of a laugh and we were all talking about uh, particular Things that mean one thing in the world of tennis. And if you are a, a lovely, innocent tennis fan, you'll have no idea what they are. And uh, and then if maybe you're, you don't know about tennis, <laughs> they could mean something else. <laughs> I think I think we should leave it there. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> really? 
I'm not I'm not sure where this conversation goes from there, but it's been um can I just say that Miami it's not finished yet, but but Miami for me has been <laughs> enlightening. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, I I've I've learned about Baggy Pocket. I have to put DJ in front of it. Baggy Pocket sounds weird. Can I call you DJ Baggy Pockets? <laughs> no, I'm not DJ Baggy Pockets. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> there are always re- always revelations about my life. I, I think I'm a bit too free with this information. It's the wonderful thing is you have this information, which I think is, which I, which I think is brilliant. But it's it no it's been it's, it's it's been enlightening. When you're a player, you're bored on the road. You've got, you've got lots of, <laughs> lots of time on your hands to do lots of things. <laughs> as, as has come to light in Miami, we we've been separated. I don't think in since Baggy Pockets we've been <laughs> separated. I don't I, I don't think it was in, intentionally. Um, we are we're working with different people again today, but I believe for the kind of business end of of Miami, we're going to be we're going to be back together. By which time I should have I should have got this out of my system, <laughs> and I should I should at least be able to make eye contact with you in the commentary <laughs> box. I'm going to make you laugh so many times now. Can't wait. Can I just say? Thank you. No, I'm just going to end. I'm just simply going to end. <laughs> Naomi, can I just can I, can I just say thank you? Of course. Uh, I'm always here. <laughs> if, if you ever need brightening up, just ask me a question about my life. <laughs> or, or, I'll, or I'll just get you to rap. <laughs> yes, I'll do that for you. You know what? There'll be one day when you're just having a really rubbish day. If you, if you phone me, we can video chat and I'll rap for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you've only got you're only allowed to use it once i'm gonna give you one no no others one. you've got one token for one free rap and you can use it but you can't use it on the podcast you can't use it live on air you can only use it to cheer you up that's what it was designed for it's just a pretty useless token <laughs> <laughs> oh fine i'll take it back i'll give it to miles <laughs> oh i will thank you thank you for my token um Thank you for bringing rap into my life. And I, I, I look forward to being back in the commentary box together. <laughs> I, can't, I, I honestly can't wait. I'm going to make you laugh so much whilst you're trying to commentate. It's going to be brilliant. Um, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it, Baggy. <laughs> I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.